0: Good morning, everybody. There's a kind of quiet, subdued feel to us, I think, this morning. Um, but as people are gathering in, um, well, good to see you. Uh, if you're visiting with us, if you're returning, you're very welcome. It's good to have you. David and Sarah, lovely to see you. And you're very welcome as well. Folks, I want to maybe just start slightly differently. So I, I hope you would, if you have a Bible in front of you, I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I want you to look up Zephaniah. There you go, just to get us thinking about things. Zephaniah. As people are gathering in. You've got it? Has he not? No. Okay, chapter three. Okay, and and I, I, I'll read this to you because I... But I want to focus on verse 17. So if we go back to, um, I mean, I checked this up this morning. Zephaniah is a prophet who spoke before the exile, before the people of Israel were sent away because they had uh, forgotten the Lord, they had disobeyed the Lord, um, but He has this message of hope. You see in verse 14 of chapter 3, it says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. And that for us is in Jesus. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. In other words, having no energy, no desire to live, because everything's against you. Because when we are in Christ, the punishment for our sin is taken away. And listen to this lovely verse. Because this is the theme of our service. This is what Rahab discovers in Joshua chapter 2. This is salvation. The Lord, your God, is with you. He is mighty to save. And just listen to these words. He will take great delight in you. Do you feel that this morning? Do you know that this morning? That the Lord delights in you. He will quiet you with his love. That when you feel anxious, When you're not sure what to do, when you look towards him, he just quiets you with his love. He says, look, I am with you. I care for you. He will rejoice over you. Do you feel that you have nothing to offer? Do you feel weak? Do you feel that you're not attractive in any way? Then listen to this. He will rejoice over you. He loves you as you are with singing. I just think that's a fantastic verse because it teaches us how Jesus treats us in the gospel and how he loves us. So in response to that, folks, let's stand and sing these two songs. King Keen of Keen's Majesty and Salvation Belongs to Our God. So let's stand and worship God. Well, let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when you speak to us that you do so with such gentleness and with such care and compassion. And Father, we thank you for these words that we've read from the prophet Zephaniah and for how encouraging they are. And Father, they were encouraging for the people in those days because it was going to be a difficult time for them but, Lord, you had already put your hand of love upon them. And, Father, we thank you that that this verse tells us that you are able to save us because you are strong, that you are able to help us because you are strong, and that, Father, that you are a good person to have with us because you are strong. And, Father, we realize how grievous to you or sin is. Father, it shocks us, I think, that we so easily say no to you, that we know the things that we shouldn't do, but we do them anyway, that the thoughts that we know are wrong, we think them, and that sometimes we even delight in them. We read your word and we are convicted about something, but we quickly put it away, busying ourselves with something else. And Father, all along, you are simply wanting us to be in relationship with you. And Father, you do not turn your back on us. You come to us again and again and again, 70 times 7, and you offer us forgiveness. Because you love us in a way that we can hardly comprehend. And, Father, we thank you that as we do that, that we think again of the cross. We think of Jesus. We think of his willingness to suffer in Gethsemane. We think of the drops of blood that he sweat because of the agony of what he took upon himself. And he was punished and we were not. And he was separated from you so that we could be joined to you. And Father, we pray that we might delight more and more in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you are mighty to save, that you raised Jesus from the dead, that he sits at the right hand of the Father, that he's in control of this world, even though it seems a place of fear and a place that is out of control. And Father, we thank you that you take great delight in us, that you quiet us with your love, that you rejoice over us with singing. And so, Father, as we come to worship you this morning, we pray that we will do so from that heart of thankfulness. And that, Father, that we will enjoy what we do this morning because we know that it's wor- that you are worthy. And that, Father, that everything that we give to you today, our attention, our concentration, our desire to hear what you would say, or singing at the top of our voices, Father, that you are worthy of all of those things. And that, Father, that we will understand again the freshness of your love and the newness of your love this morning. Father, be with those who cannot be with us. Be with all who who take part this morning. We pray that you will help them as they serve us here. And, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. Haley's going to come and read that to us. So as she's coming, it's page 216, I think, or thereabouts. And we'll just read the whole of that chapter.
1: Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because you have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, Yes, the men came to me, "'But I did not know where they had come from. "'At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. "'I don't know which way they went. "'Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them.' "'But she had taken them up to the roof "'and hidden them under the sacks, the stalks of flax "'that she had laid out on the roof. "'So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road "'that leads to the fords of the Jordan. "'And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut.' Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you, what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let, down, she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on their way. The men said to her, This oath you have made to us, s- swear you will be binding on us. Unless we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window, through which you have let us down. And unless you have brought your father and your mother, your brothers and all of your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. He will not be resp- we will not be responsible as for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if his if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord on the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days, until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us.
2: Would any more children like to come up the front? (coughs) Well, last week Ethan talked to us about how God made promises to Joshua God told Joshua that he would always be with him, just like he'd been with Moses, so there was no need to be afraid. And he told Joshua that he would give his people the land of their own they'd be waiting for for 40 years since they left Egypt. All they had to do was go into Canaan and take the land. Joshua believed God's promises, and he told the people to get ready to cross the Jordan in three days to get, go into the land that God had promised them. But there was a bit of a problem with this because it wasn't like it was just a big old bit of land with nobody in it. There were already lots of people living there. So Joshua sent two spies to go ahead and check out the land, and he said especially Jericho because that was the first big city that they would come to in Canaan. And when the spies got to Jericho, they stayed at the house of a woman called Rahab. Now Rahab turns out to be very important in the story of God's people, but she didn't start out as being one of God's people. She didn't grow up knowing the one true God. She should have been the enemy of the spies because she was from this other country, the Canaanites. But instead, she helps them by hiding them from the king of Jericho. So she hides the men on a roof, and when the king's men come, she goes, they went that away. way So they go running off to find them and of course they were there on the roof the whole time and they were able to get away. So she gives them a big rope so they can climb down out of her window and get away and go back to Joshua on the other side of the River Jordan. But the reason why Rahab helps the spies is really important. In verse 9 she tells them this, oh you might not be able to see it if I don't hold it up like this way, I know. The Lord has given this land to you. That's in verse 9. Well, that's kind of a weird thing to say because the people of God have not taken the land yet. But she is really sure that they definitely will because she's heard about all the amazing things that God has already done for them in the past. Like, for example, when he made a dry path in the middle of the Red Sea so they could cross over when they were leaving Egypt or like the way they were able to win against the strong kings on the way. So everyone in Canaan is really scared of the Israelites because of these stories that they've heard. But Rahab is different. Instead of just being scared, she decides to switch sides and follow God because she believes that he is the one true God. And she uses God's special name, Yahweh, that God told Moses was his name and says in verse 11, the Lord, Yahweh, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So she's saying, the gods that I grew up with are not real. They're just fake gods. Your God, Yahweh, is the real God. So she asks the spies to save her and her family when they come back with the rest of the army to take over Jericho. And they say, yes, we will do that if you tie a red cord around that window that you let us out of. This is my little prop that was camouflaged against my trousers. So that way the soldiers will know which one is her house. So, hmm, putting something red around the window so the people in there will be safe. Does that remind you of anything? Do you remember another time when God got, God's people put something red around their doorway to keep them safe? What was that, Robin? That's right. And what, when was that? Um, in Egypt. That's right. So they put lamb's blood around their door uh, during the Passover when they were escaping from Egypt. We find out later in Joshua chapter six that the spies keep their promise to Rahab and they keep her and her family safe when they come back with the army. They see that red cord around the window and they know that that's Rahab's house, so they keep Rahab and her family safe. So Rahab and her family become part of God's people because of this. Now, amazingly, Rahab, this woman from Canaan, is mentioned three other times in the bible and they're all in the new testament she's mentioned in the letter of james and in the letter to the hebrews because of her faith in fact in chapter 11 of hebrews which is all about the heroes of the faith she is mentioned along with superheroes of the faith like abraham and joseph and moses and verse 1 of hebrews tells us what faith means Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's Hebrews 11, verse one. And Rahab was certain of something that she hadn't seen yet, that Yahweh, the one true God, was going to give his people the promised land. So in Genesis, chapter five, verse six, another hero of the faith, Abraham, is described. Abraham believed the Lord, that's the same name, Yahweh, and he credited to him as righteousness. So what that means is that because Abraham believed God's promises, he was made right with God. And the same is true for Rahab, even though she grew up in a different country. So she believed that God would keep his promises, and she was made right with God. And the other time that Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter one, and we read this at Christmas time. We find out that Rahab married one of God's people, and she became the great-great-grandmother of King David. So Rahab, who grew up not knowing the real true God, ended up being in Jesus's family tree. So this shows us that it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or who your family is, it's what you believe about God that matters. Rahab heard the stories about what God had done in the past, and she believed that he could do amazing things in the future, and because she believed God's promises, she was made right with God. Now we come here and hear stories about the amazing things that God has done in the past every week in church and Sunday special. We hear about what he's done in the Bible, and we hear from Uh, People around us about great things that God has done in their lives. And we can write down in a prayer journal ways that God has answered our prayers and the amazing things that He's done in our lives. So we know that we can trust God to do amazing things in the future. And like Rahab, if we trust God's promises, we will be made right with God. We're going to sing a song about that. It's called By Faith, and it goes to lots of people. Uh, from the Bible who walked by faith and not by sight. They were certain of the things they hoped for, sure of the things they hoped for, and certain of the things they hadn't seen.
0: Great. Well, boys and girls, you're free to go. Folks, lovely to have you in church this morning, and you're very welcome. It's great to have you visiting with us, and uh, if you are new to us, uh, make yourself new one. Uh, sign the visitor's book and stay for tea and coffee. Lovely to see David and Sarah back, lovely to see Leigh and Chen back as well. It's lovely to have you, and uh, it's great that you uh, want to come to us. We, we have missed you, and it is lovely to have you back. So, um, if you have your order service here, we'll look at this. Um, Next week, we're going to look at two chapters. I was trying to figure out what Joshua 3, 4 to 24 meant, but really it's actually chapter 3 and 24 to and 4 to the end of the chapter, and we'll be looking at the story of crossing the Jordan. So do read that in anticipation. If you've come with needs and would love to be prayed for, we'll then come to the little table at the front for prayer ministry. Our elders meet uh, on Tuesday at 7.30 in the second floor. Uh, We do need tea and coffee folks as well, a way to serve. Uh, Do sign up or talk to Ken. Um, And the welcome, next Sunday we're having our breakfast um, at uh, 9.30. So do come along. Um, The the breakfast is always excellent, and we thank the helpers for doing that. Uh, Tommy says that he has plenty of vegetarian food. Okay, but he doesn't have plenty of fresh fruit salad. So if you can bring fresh fruit salad, do bring that for next uh, Sunday as well. Um, Yeah, so we'd love to see you. Uh, If you want to bring friends, family, you're more than welcome to do so, and we hope that they will enjoy the breakfast and worship afterwards. Our World Development Appeal total was 8,030. That's an excellent total, uh, surpasses the last two years. Um, And I want to say thank you to you for your generosity in that. I suppose when we do that, we want to also remind ourselves that we gave to folks in Mozambique that they continue to struggle with the issues of climate change and that under God, in their church communities, they are trying to do something positive about that. So keep them in your prayers. Um, And this is quite a substantial sum of money Because we're just one church and all the churches in the Presbyterian Church will send lots of money into this project. And so we want to pray that prudence and uh, that it will be used well as well. So just keep that in your minds uh, as we go forward. The SALT Project is uh, starting off, kicking off again on uh, 2020 on Saturday the 25th of January. That's next Saturday, I think, isn't it? Next Saturday? Yeah. Okay, so 7 to 9, so all our teens, uh, secondary school students are welcome, and if you have any questions, contact Katie. Uh, Faith and work. Um, Again, this is happening this week, um, and again, I I made the mistake the last time thinking it was 6.30 p.m., but it's 6.30 a.m. Now, I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I was thinking, now some of you will think, I would like to go to that. But then you'll say, "It's at 6:30 in the morning. Can I just encourage you to just do it? When I was at university, um, they had an early morning prayer meeting, and I went that first morning, and I remember getting up, it was freezing cold. nobody else was going. And I just trudged the whole way down to, this, to the students' union where it was held. And the whole way down, I was thinking, what am I doing? Why am I here?" and nobody else will be here. I have to say that was the most important decision I ever made in university because it got me into the Christian union, and I suppose it it set the tone for the rest of what I felt God was wanting me to do in that. So if you want to go, go. That's my point. And uh, you will find others there who are keen to find out what it means to be a Christian in the workplace And that is a very, and these two lads are really good teachers, um, and I really recommend the material as well that they want to do. So, there you go. Um, Let me know how it goes. There we go. So those are all the announcements. We're going to sing another lovely, lovely song, uh, because again, we've got this theme of salvation. There's a lovely line, I looked at it this morning, in my helplessness you heard my cry. My cry. And waves of mercy poured down on my life. So let's think about the wonder of the salvation we have in Jesus as we sing this song. Well, aren't the words of that song just a magnificent reality of what we have in Christ Jesus? Just great. Folks, if you have your Bibles, do open them at Joshua chapter 2, and we'll have a look at this together. So I've called this faith and salvation. But I want to ask the question, first of all, what are you afraid of? So some people in the world are afraid of invading armies, of terrorist threats that lurk within or just outside their borders. Turkey and the Kurds, Russia and Ukraine, Afghanistan and the Taliban, Nigeria and Boko Haram, Mexico and the drug barons, Drogheda and the drug gangs. And the people of Jericho were afraid of the army of Israel and their steady march from Egypt towards their borders, now camped opposite them just across the Jordan River. Verses 9 and 10. Some people are afraid of the state. The people of Eritrea, and their dictator president, China and the strong apparatus of the state, an illegal immigrant living in the United States, or even in Ireland, some worry when a guard car follows them, when a letter with a harp on it arrives in the post. Rahab has just had a visit from the state. Representatives of the Keen have just called to her, her door, paid her a visit and told her to give up the spies who have been seen entering her home. Verse 3. Some are afraid of the future, of going forward. Many of our young people in extension rebellion over the effects of climate change. Many are afraid of a visit to the doctor and the possible outcome. Some are afraid to let their children explore and venture worried for their safety and even life. Many are afraid of their weaknesses, of failure, of mental health, of their sexuality, their gender, of other people. Joshua, as we saw last week, is afraid. He has taken the mantle of Moses, the great leader. He has been told by God to get the people ready to cross the Jordan and to take the land that God to take the land and to to remind him not to be terrified and to be discouraged. And he is now sending spies out into Jericho to see what they're up against in verse 1. And some people are afraid of God. They're aware he exists and want to please him by living good lives. They come regularly to worship. They do good things. They hope they will get to heaven. The idea of hell frightens them. They look at the fires of Australia and you words like apocalypse. They see the melting ice, the increased frequency of earthquakes, and some vague recollection of the end times frightens. They remember God said something about that. They ask, could it be true? They see the real evil in the human heart, and they think hell might be a real place. And a good place for the likes of those who are evil. You see, we are all afraid. And fear has to do with inadequacy, punishment, judgment, death, mortality. And my contention is that this story, the story in Joshua 2, is about people who are afraid. But God brings rescue. And salvation. It is a good news story because it's a story of faith, Rahab's faith. As Lorraine said, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient or unbelieving. It's a story of hope because Rahab is welcomed into the family of God and becomes part of the lineage of David. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, leading to the birth of Jesus Christ. And I've been conscious in listening to the world events that that the word fear has been used a lot, and the Bible basically tells us two things about fear. Do not fear, for I am with you, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we fear God and we discover that he is love, we can say in 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let's pray together and ask that God will help us to see that message in this passage. Father, we thank you for the relevance of the word of God to us as human beings in every generation. Father, we live in a world that has been wracked by fear this week in a nation that has been understanding of evil and of fear. And I pray, Father, that we will see this amazing love of God in the rescue of this person called Rahab. And I pray that we'll be able to apply it to ourselves. And that, Father, that we will find solace and forgiveness and love in God this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's see what happened in this. And I'm, I'm thankful to Lorraine for telling the story. Because I don't think I will do it as well as that. And I just want to kind of look at different things this person Rahab is is very interesting Mose as you see here Joshua sends out the spies like Moses had done uh, to this time not 12 and they're sent out to survey Jericho in particular I have to say there's a touch of the Austin Powers school of uh, spying here because these spies are obviously not very good are they because immediately that they go into the land, they are spotted. And uh, I was trying to think what that was. Was it the way they talked? Was it the way that they dressed? Or were they just just careless in that way? So they're found out anyway. They're spotted entering Rahab, the prostitute's house. We're not given any more details of how this all came about. But she is asked by the king of Jared to give up the spies. And though she makes a huge decision to side with the Israelite man rather than the king, and without doubt that was not an easy decision, uh, as she hides them on the roof of her house under the drying flax in verse six, I want us to focus on the fact that she's an unlikely candidate for believing in God and from any Israelite point of view. because she is a sinner. She is a prostitute an innkeeper. And the New Testament witness affirms her occupation as one who sold her body for sex. Her sexual morality was contrary to the laws of Moses and to Israel. We see here that she was an easy and accomplished liar. I used to be very perturbed by this. I really was. And I'm very aware of my self-righteous judgment upon her. She may have been in a moral dilemma, being in the lesser of two evils. The Bible doesn't condone what she did, nor does it condemn her forehead. It simply records her as someone who lied and who lied easily. And as Lorraine was saying, she was a foreigner. She was not an Israelite. She was outside the covenant promises of Israel. She was simply a sinner. (laughs) And we need to get that in mind. We need to understand the fact that she had no right to any of the promises of God, and yet God hears her. Secondly, she believed what she heard of God in verses 8 to 13. You see, Rahab knows that the Lord has given this land to the Israelites and that a great fear has fallen on them, verse 9. How does she know? Well, she heard of the power of God in the Exodus, verse 10, their salvation. She heard of the death of Sihon and Og, the Amorite kings, east of the Jordan, in verse 10. And she accepted it as their judgment, Numbers chapter 21. She heard and she believed. And what an amazing testimony she gives, because she believes in God. She believes he is the only God. You see, hearing about God and seeing what God has done, demands a response and from Rahab her response is to give her life to God and not to the king of the city. It's amazing isn't it? Big big choice and how has she come to that? She has heard what God has done, she has seen what God has done and she has made a decision and Rahab knows that what she has heard and seen of God's work and her response is to ask for mercy to receive grace, and to experience the kindness of God that includes not only her, but her family as well. And folks, I want us to kind of keep this picture in mind. I want us to fast forward, if you will, to the time of Jesus and to another woman. And in this picture, she has been caught in the act of adultery. It's a very serious form of sexual immorality. You can read the story in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. She is guilty. She doesn't deny it. She has been unloving towards her husband. She has disobeyed the rules that God has set for marriage. The religious leaders are set to stone her because the penalty for her sin was death. Death by stoning. And Jesus says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And they all eventually walked away. And then one who was sinless, and that's the point, the one who could have stoned her, because that's what the law demanded, said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And to her amazement and her relief, She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And the only reason he could say that was because he took the punishment that she deserved. It is an amazing story, and it's an amazing truth, And that's the story that Rahab understood. She did not deserve this mercy. She did not deserve this grace. She did not deserve to be part of the family of God. But God gave it to her because he loved her and because she believed that that was what he was like. Folk, what of us? What is it that we look back? Lorraine was right. We hear this story week after week after week. We understand that the Bible tells us that Jesus, put, that Jesus went to the cross. That God put his son there to pay the penalty for our sin. That God raised him to life eternal and promised that he would come back to judge the world. We have heard it. And the challenge of Rahab is, will we believe this amazing grace? Will we believe this good news of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ? How God deals with Rahab and his inclusion of her in his plan of salvation highlights his love for her. How Jesus dealt with the religious leaders and the woman caught in adultery demonstrates how gracious he is to them, to both sets. He wants them to see their sin. He wants them to repent, and he's looking for the same response to us. He does not point out our sin to condemn us. He points out our sin so that we might see that he loved us and that he took the penalty for that sin so that we might be free. (coughs) Folks, we are all sinners. We all need the loving grace of God. It comes to us through the great cost Jesus bore on the cross because there is penalty for sin, eternal death, and he bore that instead of us. You see, our fears tell us that something is wrong with the world, that something is wrong with us, that there is evil, that there is judgment. And I urge us to follow the lead of Ahab, consider all that God has done and believe. Choose and seek. The mercy of God. And it goes on. Because Rahab maintains her faith through action. Much has been written about the scarlet red cord um, that was tied to the window. And and Lorraine is right in how she, she taught that. But I'm going to teach it slightly differently. Because it is a picture of the blood of Jesus. Absolutely no doubt about that. And it's particularly a picture of the Passover and, and all of that. But David Jackman makes the point in his commentary that it has less to do with the color than with the ongoing obedience demonstrated by Rahab. The representatives of Joshua basically promise her that she and her family will be saved if she ties the cord in the window of her house, if she gathers her family under the one roof, and that she keeps a secret the plans they have discussed with her. In theological language, we call that a covenant. And she agrees, as you see in verse 21. If you want to know if she did so, then you can skip to chapter 6. And Lorraine has already told us that. She did get rescued, and we'll come to that in chapter 6. And again, I want us to fast forward to the New Testament. And I want us to go to the book of James and think about what the Lord's half-brother said. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? I will show him my faith by what I do. You see, his faith and actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. You see, there has to be a response for this amazing love that we have received. It's just natural. It's not demanded. It's just natural. And Rahab maintained her faith. She proved her faith by her obedience to the instructions given to her by the representatives of Joshua. We have the scriptures and we prove our faith by our love and obedience for his words. Words that are eternal. Words that are true. It is Satan who lies. It is Satan who deceives. It is Satan who kills. And Jesus has come that we might have life. And I want to ask us seriously this morning, and I mean this seriously. What place does the Word of God have in our lives in terms of ongoing obedience? Are you reading it every day? Because it's impossible to live as a follower of Jesus without a deep commitment to reading and studying the Word of God. If you are a communicant member of this church, you have made a public promise of love for Jesus. And if you're not reading, studying, and sharing with other believers in the family of God, that is a sign of a lack of faith. And at best, you will be weak and sickly, spiritually speaking, unable to affect change in your sinful heart, not growing in the fruit of the Spirit, not serving, and some of you will already have stopped attending worship. That is the opposite to what happened to Rahab because she became part of the family of God. She became an important member of it. We have in Jesus been shown mercy and grace and forgiveness, and Jesus tells us to forgive those who trespass against us. This is another application. Our faith is maintained and proven by action, by obedience to his instruction. Are there any of us who are unforgiving, holding on to hurts, rehearsing wrongs, not speaking to some within the church? You see, such attitude and behaviors grieve the Holy Spirit. And sadly, our spiritual health is affected. Growth is slowed or halted. You see, Rahab made a bold choice to align herself with the people of God. She obviously became fully integrated into the family of God. She married Salmon of the tribe of Judah. And if unforgiveness is holding you back from commitment to Jesus and his people, the promise of blessing lies within the household. She had to bring her people into the household. And faith is maintained and developed by forgiveness in obedience to the word of God. And folks, we could apply that in many, many different ways because Rahab maintains her faith through her commitment and her action to the people of God. That is the challenge of this lady. That is the challenge of faith. And lastly, faith encourages Joshua and the leaders, by the way, Can I thank you for your prayers for me last week at the Irish Preachers Conference? It was very good. I was encouraged by the group of men who wanted to study and be better preachers of God's Word. One of them was a former drug addict, and he just encouraged our hearts to see a wonderful work of God's Holy Spirit in his life. I've also seen that in some of you who have held to and grown in your faith through obedience to the word of God. It's a radical change, and God is working. And you see, Joshua is given this report of what God has done, and it's encouraging. God has given access into the city through the heart of Rahab. God has kept his word as he gave to them in chapter 1 and verse 3. And they're encouraged. And they're encouraged to keep working and to go forward together. You see, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is maintained by holding to the word of God in obedience. And encouragement comes when the people of faith do as God wants them to do. You see, folks, it's by faith And by faith alone, that we make progress against the many fears that assail us every day. And I invite each of us to come on board and be part of a movement of God and in his people as we commit ourselves to the word of God, the Lord Jesus, by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing love. We thank you for this wonderful inclusion of Rahab by faith in the family of God. We thank you that you took her from a position of being extremely far outside of the people of God in one sense. And that, Father, you took her into the very heart of it and you radically changed her life, not just for the present, but for eternity. And Father, I pray that we will see it, and that we will see it, that we have a greater revelation in Jesus Christ, and that our future is secure because of his resurrection from the dead, and that, Father, that we have a destination that is heaven itself, and that is a new earth and a new heaven, and that everything that is good in this world will be at least there and better. And, Father, we're easily assaulted, aren't we, because of the world around us, because of the weakness of our flesh, and because of the devil. We so often make choices that do not honor you. And I pray that we will see afresh the wonder of the love of Jesus, that you will melt our hearts because of that love, and that, Father, that you will draw us to yourself in communion with you and with each other. And that we might be a beacon of light to this city. Father, we pray for your honour and glory. Amen. Well, let's worship God as we give our offering, and uh, we'll sing again, Let There Be Peace on Earth.
3: Let us join together in our prayers for others. Heavenly Father, When your servant Joshua was faced with what looked like an impossible task and what looked like impossible odds, he knew he could not accomplish anything in his own strength. He chose to simply trust you and obey you. As we reflect on the news of the last week, the brutal gangland killing of a teenage boy in Drogheda, the mindless killing of a young student in Cork, the needless life-changing injury to a rough sleeper not far from this church. Lord, we feel helpless, that nothing we can do can have any impact. Lord, help us to simply trust, to trust in your promise. Trust that even when the problem seems the size of a mountain, you will move that mountain when we truly believe. Lord, we ask you to intervene in the plight of, of the rough sleepers uh, we spe- and specifically for Tom and Julia who sleep on the balcony of this church. Lord, may you move the mountains that have brought them to this lowest of low points in their lives. We thank you for Marcus, D from Sunfire Cresh, and others and ask for safety and wisdom for them as they interact with the rough sleepers on our balcony. We thank, for the se- thank you for the sense of service that Marcus has as he daily cleans up the mess they leave behind. We ask for safety for Dee and Hannah from Sunflower as they open the gates morning and evening and for the parents of the children and their com- and the coming and goings. Lord, we do not take this for granted and we thank you for the safety you have given everyone who uses this building. We thank you also for the local Gardaí who responds speedily to multiple calls each week we ask for wisdom for the committee as we work to ensure the safety of the building of the building for the users but also show compassion to those who seek some refuge here father we ask you for healing and comfort for the homeless man recovering from awful injuries we ask that you break the arm of the wicked in Drogheda and stop this cycle of violence and death. We pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones. Lord, we pray that they will know your comfort. We pray for the Blair family in Cork, for whom every parent's worst nightmare became a reality. Lord, we pray your peace, peace that exceeds understanding we pray, we pray that you would quiet their aching hearts with your love. Lord, move these mountains, in you we trust. Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer. We ask your blessing on the midweek groups that are about to restart, and of anyone here who is not intended in the past, that you would prompt them that their spirit to come, Thank you for the many prayers of uh, of these midweeks that have been mightily answered when you provided healing, sorted out, co- sorted out work conflicts, brought comfort to the brave, directed the right choices, ensured safety and more. We thank you for those who have prayed diligently for many, many years. I think of John Thompson who prayed diligently for Dr. Fatala and his family, for safety for them through a war. And then one day, decades later, his daughter Bam arrives in our church with news that all are safe and well. Lord, thank you for moving these mountains. Trust and obey, let us not forget about obey. To listen to your word, to take it to heart, to think about it day and night, and to make it our priority. The worldly challenges we've been asking you to intervene we often see as someone else's problem. The government, the Gardaí, social welfare. Lord, help us to obey, not to be afraid, to go into the world, speak about these issues, to be advocates for the weak and the helpless, to provide practical assistance and share when and where we can, and to boldly proclaim this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This we ask in the strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Well, folks, we finish our service by singing a great hymn, O Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. Um, And it really is a lovely prayer. Uh, The third verse is lovely. Uh, They're all good. But let's stand and sing and think about the words as we say this to the Lord. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God